to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you that your word is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. So we pray today, dear Holy Spirit, that you would just penetrate through your word in the name of Jesus for the glory of the Father. And that as we leave here today, we'll be better equipped and have a different biblical worldview than we did when we came in. And we just do this dependent totally on you, Lord. Whatever you would speak to our hearts, we're ready. In Jesus' name, amen. When I first received the Lord, and over the next... Oh, I guess it's 30, 50 years almost. Wow. That you find out you have skeletons in your closet, right? That maybe you didn't realize that we're still there. And God is sanctifying us every day, right? He's always bringing us more and more, making us more and more like him. Sometimes we're aware of that process and sometimes we're not. I know when I was younger, I didn't realize what God was doing in my life. I was just trusting him as my Lord and Savior. But boy, I had a lot of skeletons in my closet that had to be cleaned out. In Matthew, you don't have to turn to anything yet, but in Matthew 10, verse 28, it says, Do not fear those who will kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who can cast both your body and soul into hell. And that's Matthew ten twenty eight. And the title of today's message is Now. That's scary. If you turn to Luke chapter 4 in your living book, Luke chapter 4 Beginning at verse 31. I'm going to read verses 31 to 37. The two main books we're going to look in today are Luke and uh, Mark, I believe. So in Luke chapter 4, verses 31 to 37. Now the picture you see on the screen is a synagogue in Capernaum. That's a current picture. So if you were to visit um, the Galilee region of Israel today, you could go visit that. Of course, it didn't look broken down like that back in Jesus' day, but this was a synagogue that Jesus taught in. Verse 31, Then he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching. For his word was with authority. Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice saying, Let us alone. 
What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What what word is this? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding regions. Now, when you stand at the synagogue here in Capernaum, you can look out on one of the angles to the Sea of Galilee, and it's a beautiful view. It's just so peaceful. It's so serene. But yet, don't miss what's going on here, that there was a person possessed by a demon. Now, this is going back a couple thousand years ago, and you can bet that just like there were demons back then, there are demons right now. And in everything that's going on in our world, not only the United States of America, but in the world, there's tremendous demonic activity. Now, if you're a new believer, that you're just young in Christ, regardless of your age, you might not be aware of the things going on. But if you've been a Christian for a while, you see the transformation and the evolution of a breakdown in our world. And the strategy behind this comes right out of Ephesians 6, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers of this age. So Satan's MO is always to try to destroy God's most beautiful creation, you and me. He's always trying to destroy us, to steal from us, to kill us, anything he can do. In Luke that I just read, 31 to 37, a few things come out. Number one, it said that Jesus came down to Capernaum. Jesus always comes down, doesn't he, to meet you and me where we are? We don't have to climb a mountain. We don't have to go any special place. You can meet Jesus, and he'll meet you right in the confines of your own home, in your car, wherever you are, wherever you take the time to commune with him. The other thing that came from the scripture that I just read was he has authority He's God. What he says, he means. Not like humans that say one thing and something, and they can't meet 100% what they said. We're all frail and imperfect, right? Even though we try to do our best not to let people down, we do. But Jesus doesn't. He's always there. His word. Jesus is the word of God. He is the God of the word. He has authority. How much do we put in to listen to his words? Really? Do we just take him as words that we hear from friends or relatives or family? Or do we really hang our life on what he says? Do we know his word? Or do we just know the stories that we learn in Sunday school or when we were little kids? Do we really get into his word? That's so important. Now, notice this demon was in a man. He was inside the guy. 
And we see that throughout Scripture, don't we? Especially in the New Testament. We see demon-possessed guys and girls. It's there. So why wouldn't that be happening today? I think it is. Pastor Joe was teaching in Ezekiel, right? Or he is teaching in Ezekiel. And remember the prince of Tyr and the king of Tyr? Well, the king of Tyr was none other than Lucifer himself. You found out some behind the scenes of how he came to be. Well, you can bet that Satan and his demonic army are spread out all over the world. Targeting leaders, kings, presidents, CEOs, whatever it is. Just like you and I that have been saved, that we put our trust in Jesus, have Jesus living in us. We are working to advance his kingdom. Well, there are those who are working to advance the kingdom of darkness. And we see, it's getting darker, isn't it? Right, if we're, being a, if we're being alert and not hiding our head in the sands, we're seeing this globally, not just here in the United States. How could anybody pull that off on such a magnitude? Well, you're seeing the principalities of darkness, what's going on. But everybody, we win. We win. This is just an inning, a couple innings of a game. We win the game. That's very important. Our God reigns. He wins. He already did it at the cross, and it's going to come in total fulfillment one day throughout the universe. So don't give up hope. Don't get depressed. Keep looking up because Jesus is going to keep doing more and more things that will be more and more evident in our lives. And we'll be drawn closer and closer to him because he's getting ready to see you and me face to face. Amen. That's going to happen. That's his word. And we should be looking forward to that. Notice again in the verses that I read that the demons recognize Jesus. They know who he is. It's no surprise to them. And again, you and I should be getting to know Jesus more and more and more, regardless of how long we've been believers. And if you're not a believer, you need to put your trust in him today and start that relationship. You need to. You have to. You need to know your God who not only created you and made you magnificently, but he came to this earth and he went to the cross for your sins and my sins to shed his blood, to pay the penalty that you and I could not pay except for an eternity in hell. Can you imagine that? That's the only way you can pay off your sin if you don't receive Christ is go to hell for eternity. Hello? Who would take that when Jesus Christ is offering you his sacrificial death on the cross for your sins and mine? So the demons recognize Jesus. They hate him. They thought they had him (laughs) when they put him on the cross. They were cheering. They were cheering. But we know what happened in three days. They weren't cheering anymore. The heavenly host was cheering. They were pumped up. And the demons were depressed and upset. 
And Satan had a lie to them to try to get out of this. Well, this is all part of the plan, guys. We're going to keep maneuvering throughout history. And now he's here in 2021. His time is running out. There is demonic control. Always has been on this planet. We saw it when Jesus was in the desert, being tempted by Jesus, by uh, Satan. Satan was tempting Jesus in the desert. We saw that he could give them all the kingdoms of the world. And think of all the people that have done that for power, for fame, for sex. Right? They've sold those souls to the devil with no eternity in mind, as if this life is going to continue forever. Anybody have a birthday this year? Is it the same as 20, 30 years ago or 15 years ago? I don't think so. I don't think so. Time is moving on. In Luke chapter 4, verses 40 to 41. I'd just like to read that to you. Luke chapter 4, verses 40 to 41. When the sun was setting... All those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hand on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. A lot of you know what took place with Maria a week ago, and I'll get into that a little towards the end. But I was in the hospital for visiting my wife for a couple days. The lots were full. Cars were everywhere. They have valet parking. You have to tip somebody to get into the hospital. What the heck is that? You have to tip somebody to the hospital. So, packed. Every floor. Beds aren't available right away. You have to wait. You have to wait in the ICU or you have to wait wherever you are. Packed. But you know what you and I have to do? Just like it says in these couple of verses, bring them to Jesus. Pray for those people. Intercede for them. When I was on the floor waiting for five hours one day, I was interacting with some people. We were talking about God and the brevity of life. It was awesome. Pray for people. Talk for them. Bring them to Jesus, just like these loved ones did. They were bringing people to Jesus that were sick and demon-possessed. Now notice in this, there were many demons. Not a couple, but many. And again, I want to emphasize that. There's many demons. And if that was the case 2,000 years ago, how much more today? How much more today are demons working in people's lives? But again, notice that the demons recognize that Jesus is the Christ. He's the anointed one. He's the Messiah. He's the one that the, the Old Testament prophesied for all those years. And then they saw him. They saw him as a little baby in a manger. They tried to kill him then. Throughout his life. And they, try, and they did kill him. They thought they killed him. 
But you can't kill God. What kind of God could you kill? Right? What kind of God would that be if you could kill him? In Mark chapter 9, if you flip there with me, verse 14. Mark 9, 14. Mark chapter 9, beginning with verse 14. And I'm going to read to verse 22. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help him or help us. In these passages that I just read, notice that these teachers, these scribes, they disputed with Jesus. And people will always dispute with God's people. They'll always want to argue. They'll always want to, you know, uh, get angry at you or maybe just not talk to you because they know you're a believer. Notice again in this story, there are amazing things that took place. In the presence of Jesus. Always does. Always does, right? Amazing things always happen when you're in the presence of Jesus. Everyone needs to run to Jesus like they did before eternity. That's so important. 150,000 people will go into eternity today throughout the world. 150,000 will go into eternity. We pray that they run into Jesus' arms before that happens. Notice in the story that the demons controlled the people. They were in control. They were seizing them. They were throwing them around, trying to throw them into fire and water to destroy them. Our society today is a faithless generation. Our society today is a faithless generation. They said during the pandemic, pandemic, if at least 40% of the churches remained open and kept preaching the word of God, there would have been different results. But they say the percentage was very, very little that of churches that stayed open. Faithless generation. 
Pastor Joe was telling you, you might have kids. I was a public school teacher for 44 years. I remember going down to uh, the principal's office um, and showing the principal. We went down to the library, and I showed her all the smut in the magazines, the pornography in the magazines that are right out in the open. Not, not, not the Playboys and all that, but just magazines that you can go into any Barnes and Noble and buy. And the, and the advertisement. A lot of pornography in the advertisement. Covers. Stuff they talk about. Isn't biblical stuff. It's stuff that's non-biblical. That are feeding to our kids at a very young age. A worldly mindset versus a biblical mindset. I believe there's uh, teenagers, um, preteens that are right in this, maybe in this congregation today or downstairs, that really haven't made that commitment to Jesus Christ. They're riding their parents or their grandparents' coattails. And we need to pray for the kids in our church when they walk by you. When you see them, just pray. Even if you don't know their name. But I'll give you a challenge, everybody. Go and introduce yourself. When you see him in church, say, hey, my name's Vinny. What's your name? Be a kid with them. You were kids. You, you just forget sometimes how to do that stuff. But just meet them where they are. Demons threw the people into things to destroy them. Aren't they still doing that today? Oh, my goodness. The alcoholism, the suicide rate, the drug addiction. The things that are being uh, legalized, you know, that are just touching our kids' hearts. You know, we deal that with people in our lives, in our family. In Mark 9, if you go back to Mark 9, we're going to pick up on verse 23. Mark 9, 23. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. I think that's one of my favorite verses is uh, where it says, Jesus said to him, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. And then the fellow said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Don't we all need that today? I don't care if you're a 50 year old Christian. You've been a Christian 50 years. There's always right those seeds of doubt. There's those things that we're not sure of. And we do believe Most of us in here believe that Jesus is God, that he went to the cross to die for our sins. He rose from the dead, sent into heaven. He's coming back. He sent us his Holy Spirit to indwell in us. And that's a guarantee, everybody, if you're a believer here today. The Holy Spirit in you is allowing you to understand the things of God. It's the only way you can is if he sheds light on those things. 
Lord, I believe. Help our unbelief. We believe. Help our unbelief, Lord. Keep us growing in the grace and knowledge of you. Notice that Jesus took that person by the hand and lifted him up. Jesus is always extending his hand to you and me, right? Just like he did with Peter walking on the water and Peter started looking at the world, all the stuff going on and sinking. And he said, great prayer, profound theological prayer. Help! That was it. And Jesus helped him. What do you need help with today, everybody? I'm sure you do. I do. We all have something that we need help with. There's those shadows right in our heart, in our life, in our mind, that we need the Lord to illuminate and just replace it with him, with more of him. Notice he lifted up this guy. Jesus wants to lift us up. He doesn't want you down and out. You're a daughter. You're a son of a living God that he put on this planet in 2021 to have an impact on another creature that he created that is a potential son or daughter of the living God. Don't ever take your status in this life for granted. There are more people not mentioned in the scriptures that had an impact for God than the ones we read about. Think about that. We know the names of the people in the scriptures, but there's so many more. You know, there's so many more that we'll meet one day, but I couldn't tell you their names. Isn't that awesome? God is always lifting us up to be used. And the last thing on this segment is just pray more. Pray. Talk to God. Just talk to him all the time. Driving, falling asleep, waking up in the middle of the night, walking where you're not doing anything. Just pray. Pray for the people you're passing in your office, in your classroom. Pray for the people you drive by. Be Christ-minded. Be Christ-minded. Pray for your worries. Pray for the things that you're going to do, the things that are con- you're concerned with. And then we see this word fast, you know. Fasting is just a time you're giving up. It doesn't have to be always a meal. It can be exercise. It could be your time you like to read your favorite book. And you're just fasting. You're just spending time with Christ instead of what you normally do. Some people do it with meals. They'll miss a meal or something. They'll just pray. You know, they'll just talk to God. And what does that do? You're drawing closer to him. And you have God's promise that if you draw close to him, he's going to draw close to you. And who doesn't need more of Jesus coming closer? I do. And I know you do too. In 1 John 4.18, you don't have to turn there. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. What do you and I still fear? Notice the cure here is that there is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear. And there's only one perfect love. It's our perfect God. Bible says God is love. So as we get to know him more, our fears will be shrink. That's awesome. Some of you, along with me or my wife and I, have gotten to know you more over the years 
So we know you better than somebody who is a stranger. And that's why it's so important, one of the benefits of going to church, to meet others, to interact with others. Your best friend or one of your best friends could be right here in the church and you have, you're clueless. But our actions are very important. We need to interact. We need to pray. Pray that God fulfills your needs, whatever they are, and see how he does that. In Proverbs twenty-seven nineteen, it says, As in water, face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. And I've told this story before. You know, I was a phys ed teacher and a coach for 44 years. You know when I wanted to find out how good my heart was doing? Make a bad call in a game when I was on the sidelines. Then I knew all the garbage that was still in my heart. How's my patience doing, Lord? How's the fruit of the spirit of patience doing? And then that kid says something wrong or or puts down another player. And I go at him. But maybe I didn't have to tune up the volume so much. Skeletons in your closet. Things to just put out there to the cross for the Lord to just keep changing you, which he is. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. So he's always cleaning us up. But he shows us. He brings light to those things. In Hebrews 3.10, Therefore I was angry with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Notice where we go astray. In our hearts. Where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. What's your treasure? Where is your treasure? What is it that really is that passion of your heart? And is that something that is honoring God or not honoring God? Because it can do both. It can do either one. So what is God showing you and me about our heart? In Jeremiah 17, 9, it says the heart is deceitful. Uh Oh, okay. God's word is showing us something here. The heart is deceitful above all things. Not in the top ten. It's number uno. It's number one. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And then in Luke 16, 15, it says, and he, referring to Jesus, said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men. But God knows your heart. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Notice, the world thinks it's awesome. Men and women, that's cool. Awesome. But notice it says, what's highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Are we looking to man? Are we looking to the culture To pat us on the back and we feel content and good? Or do we act like sons and daughters of the king and go to God and say, God, reveal to me my heart. Change my heart, O God. Let there be no wicked way found in me. 
That's a biblical worldview versus a worldview. One week ago yesterday, my baby, my pumpkin, came home from the hospital. And you know me long enough, most of you, I love object lessons. (laughs) Well, this is a picture of an aorta. An aorta. My 62-year-old wife, still teaching. Wednesday night, we're going to bed. She had some symptoms. Ooh, sorry. That woke the guy up in the balcony. That's okay. And I said, hon, let's go to the hospital. She goes, no, it might be some gas or something. Because she works out. She lives. She does things. She's in great shape. Look on the outward appearance. She can lift more than me. She does CrossFit. Seems fine. But there was something going on. She goes, now let's wait, I'll be all right. So we waited. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Get up in the morning, she still felt the same way. So she goes, Vin, could you take me to the hospital? So we went to Jersey Shore at 10 a.m. Thursday morning. They hooked her up to everything, took blood. They found out that her EKG was abnormal. The blood showed high signs of proteins, which shows something's going on in there. So they set her up for catheterization where they go up with that thing that's in the middle there of the artery that's a wire, and on the wire is a catheter, and on the catheter there is a, that like balloon screen that you see to the right, and they go up through your arm and go in and they look. They look to see if there's any damage or any blockage. Well, they found out in her aorta there was 100% blockage. But she's sitting down talking to, she's laying down talking to the doctor before they put this in her. So this, that didn't happen yet. Maria said to herself, this doctor must be crazy. What do you mean I had a heart? He goes, I think you had a heart attack last night at home. And Maria goes, you sure you're looking at the right? Like, I don't, you know. So then she said, Doc, I'm not feeling too good. And within a second, she blacked out. There was no blood flowing anymore. The doctor said 45 to 60% of the blood was flowing after her heart attack Wednesday night. It was completely shut off by 2 o'clock Thursday afternoon. So we were there from 10 to 2. So that they went right. Well, first, I'm sorry. They started CPR. They gave her the paddles. They did CPR. They gave her the paddles, and then she revived. They ran, like a movie, they ran with her down the hallway to the room they had to get to to do the catheterization. They put it in. They went in there. They put the stent in, and they kept her. She went in Thursday, so she was in Thursday night, Friday night. She came home Saturday. She sees the doctor this Friday, but here's the point. I believe that there's nothing that God does in this world that he's not trying to reach people that he loves so much. 
I couldn't stay with her as they were doing this procedure. So she said to me, Vin, just tell Ashley, who's our daughter, tell Ashley I love her and to put her faith in Jesus because I want to see her again one day. And I said, you'll be all right, honey. Vin, I don't think I'm going to make it. This is what she's saying to me. I said, you're fine. You're in the hands of good doctors. Now, this is all before this massive heart attack took place. So within a half an hour after I left, she had the massive heart attack. My point to you and to me and to me is this. If I'm in the same situation one day or about to close my eyes or take my last breath, is my concern going to be for the unsaved? Is it going to be for a mate? Is it going to be for my family member? Or am I going to be in a panic? Now, Marie never knew any of this was going to happen, right? She didn't know. But what was brought out of her heart that day to me was she was ready. She was ready to go. She was ready to go to glory to be with Jesus Christ. That is an amazing thing. And... If any of you, and I know some of you have lost loved ones, I know that. The depth of love, right, that you have for that person is greater because you have never been through something like that. And at the same time, the awareness that we're all going to go somehow, whether it's to the rapture or the rupture, (laughs) something's going to happen. Something's going to take place. So as I close, see all that yellow gook in there in the middle one? Right? All that, you know what that is, right? It's the plaque that builds up. And that plaque could be in you and me right now, right? We, I mean, looking at everybody, you all look great. Eh, most of you look great. But, no, but you all look great. You all look great. And the plaque builds up over the years. Even if you exercise, right? It could be from heredity or it could be a combination of that and your body's not breaking down the cholesterol like it should. So I like to look at the plaque as sin. It starts very, very small in a blood vessel and over the years it builds up. It's the same thing with sin. You know, you cross the line and it just gets worse and worse and worse until you have a spiritual heart attack. But God, when he died on the cross, he went in. He, came, he comes into us and cleans us up, doesn't he? He cleans us up physically by shedding his blood. But boy, when we receive what he did at the cross, he comes in and cleans us up spiritually. He gives us his Holy Spirit so that we can now walk in a newness of life that we couldn't before we were saved. In 2 Corinthians 7, 1, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. What do we need to get cleaned up in our act today? Even as Christians, what do we just got to put at the foot of the cross again? And if you're not a believer, come to the cross. What are you waiting for? Eternity is always knocking. We just don't know when we're going to cross over into that realm. And when we do cross over, are we ready? Are we ready? It's very important that all of us are. So in closing, how do we prepare? 
How do we prepare? Well, fear God. Not anyone or anything else. Get so tight to your Savior that your respect and love is so awesome that nothing else can touch it. Stay in in his word. Talk to him. Do one-on-one time with him. Fellowship with other believers. Think of Jesus 24-7, 365. Don't let him out of your thoughts. Stand on the authority of God's word. Know his word and stand on his authority. Get right with God. Ask for forgiveness. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to show you, Lord, am I okay? Am I okay with you right now? If not, just show me those things that I need to ask forgiveness for. And the things that I forget about, Lord, please forgive me. I'm clueless. Just forgive me my sins, Lord, so you can work and flow through me fully, 100%, not 40 to 65%, not blocked. I want your Holy Spirit flying through me so I can touch other lives with your life. Not my life, your life. That's the only thing that's going to keep us eternally alive is his life. Get to church, fellowship, interact with people. Be discipled. Be discipled. Jesus, great example of a discipler. Spent time with his guys, interacted with his guys. Went through the good times, the bad times with his guys. Do that. Find somebody in your life that you connect with and be discipled by that Woman to woman and men to men. Guys to guys, girls to girls, teens to teens, it doesn't matter. The Bible says if we confess our sins, if we admit our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he'll forgive us. Now, the alternative to that, Right? The alternative to that, not doing that. Now, that's scary. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.